Hey everybody, it's Tony from Adafruit, and this is part two of the Raspberry Pi Cat Laser Project 2.0. So I'm revisiting an old project, uh, one that I made about three years ago, back when I was first starting to uh, get, a, uh, get with uh, Adafruit. And basically it's a laser toy that you can control over a web page. And go back to the first video, the one that I did last week, and I'll put a link in the description below when this goes up on YouTube. You can kind of see an overview. You can actually see the show and tell show where I showed off the laser toy project. And in the part one video, I basically just got all the components. So the pan tilt servo arm, uh, the laser diode, uh, the little servo driver board, tested them all out, made sure they all worked. Um, also the Raspberry Pi camera, and we tried out MJPEG Streamer because that's the piece of software that can basically use the Raspberry Pi camera and serve it up to a web page as a video stream. Real simple, real fast, and easy to use thing. So check out part one. I basically just got all the components, make sure uh, I checked them all out, you know, tested each one individually. So in this video in part two, I was thinking, let's take the hardware and let's put it together and use the old Raspberry Pi cat laser code. So we'll just use the code from the original project, get that working so that we get all the components together, we get the cat laser working. Now it won't be hooked up to the web because that's the ultimate goal. I think it's gonna be a couple more videos until we get to that point. But you know, I wanna have it to the point where I've got a server in the cloud that people can access and then you know queue up and maybe each person gets like a minute or so to play with the laser toy and all over the internet. So you know, the video's gotta be streamed over the internet, uh, you know, distributed to hopefully tens, maybe hundreds of people, whoever wants to play this thing. Uh, you know, just limited by how much money I want to spend on an AWS instance uh, to run it. But that's the goal. So I want to, you know, we'll add the cloud in the next couple of videos. In this video, it's basically just recreating the first project. And it's really not too hard. I actually just went through it. Uh, the old project works pretty well. So we'll make a few little tweaks uh, as we go with it. And I'll show you some interesting stuff. So let's just kind of dive in real quick and we'll go to the main view here. So let's see the desktop. So, okay, so we've got a few things going on on the workbench. And actually here, let's, I'll jump into the workbench as the main shot. Let's do that. So on the workbench right here, um, basically I have, this is the pan tilt servo arm and it's a little hard to see. It's actually just kind of dark right here because I have a light shining down. Uh, it's not cut off, but this is the pan tilt servo arm. You can see this right here. The laser diode is attached to the top of it, just like in the first video. Now I've just taped it down to the table here. I was thinking I should probably, you know, at least like screw this into a plate of wood or something like that. Something that'll hold it a little more stable, but for now I'll just tape it down. You know, that's, uh, that's going to work to prototype this. Behind it, I have uh, exactly what we built in the first project video. So the servo controller board right here, a uh, little transistor back here that's controlling the LED diode. Now my original code doesn't use that transistor, so we won't use that yet, um, but I'll show you how we can just manually turn it on and off. One little note too, I realized in my last video, I plugged in the transistor the wrong way. So I had the collector and the emitter swapped. Now it still worked, it still let some current through, but if you noticed in that first video, it was really dim. And I even mentioned like, wow, that's really dim. Uh, you know, duh, I, I uh, plugged it in the wrong way. So just FYI, um, you know, make sure you get that orientation correct with the transistors. Uh, here's the Pi, here's the Pi camera. Now I have, let's see, I'll move my uh, face out of the way here, sorry. So you can see I'm just using a little helping hand here to hold the Pi camera because I need to have it angled down uh, and you'll see why. Like once I have this set up, this camera is looking down at the floor and then the servo arm here, you know, it's gonna rotate around and it can point down at the floor uh, for this. So that's the setup that I have hardware wise uh, and we'll go back to the main view here. So again, go back to video one. You can see how I put all this stuff together, tested it all out individually. 
Uh, okay, so to get started, first I was thinking, let's deal with the camera, uh, the camera module. So in the first video, I showed how to set up MJPEG Streamer and a fork of it specifically, this fork right here. Again, I'll put a link in the description below. Uh, and this fork is made to work with the Raspberry Pi camera natively. So the camera needs some special GPU logic, uh, and this has some code in it that can talk to the camera and get images and then stream them as an MJPEG or a motion JPEG video stream. And like I said in the first video, and even in the original project, you want MJPEG because it's very low latency. Stuff like X264 or H264, you know, you get you need more frames, uh, so it's a little bit slower. Better on bandwidth, a lot smaller. You get a lot, you know, larger resolution. Um, but you know, it's a little difficult, at least from what I've tried to do. Like, and especially if the Pi needs to encode H.264 video on the fly, not gonna work very well. It can decode very well because its GPU has code inside of there to do H.264 uh, video decoding. That's why like OMX player and some of the video players on the Pi give you great like 1080p video performance, you know, no dropped frames. But if you want to encode video, you're, you're using your CPU pretty much. As far as I know, they don't have H.264 encoding in the GPU. And if they do, I doubt anyone has written a lot of code to use that. Uh, so that you know, then you're stuck with like, okay, a gigahertz quad-core CPU um, at best. And that doesn't really cut it to do a, a lot of live video stuff. So that's why I use MJPEG. It's fast uh, and it works well. And like I uh, mentioned before, you know, it's, it's something where I only need it to be fast enough to send up to my cloud server, the video stream. And then once it's in the cloud server, that can basically multicast it out to, and it's not really technically using multicast, but that can broadcast that video stream out to lots of different connected users. And, you know, just if I need more power, I just buy a bigger server basically in the cloud or rent a bigger server in the cloud for it. So anyways, MJPEG streamer. So let's come back to this. Um, I was thinking, so in the first video I showed how to compile it, how to run it. Um, let's make a little service so that we can automatically start MJPEG streamer because that's one change I'm making from the 1.0 version of this project. In the 1.0 version, I had a Wi-Fi security camera right next to this. You know, this is like one of those $40 cheapo things you can get on Amazon. And it's got like a pan tilt functionality or whatever, but you basically put it on your Wi-Fi network uh, or even ethernet, I think. And it gives you an MJPEG stream and then a little web UI, which usually they're like horribly broken with all kinds of security exploits. But you know, it's this basic kind of like room monitoring camera. And I use that because it had an MJPEG stream. And at the time, the Pi camera, I don't even think it was out yet. Uh, so that's one change. We're gonna use the Pi camera and MJPEG streamer. So, okay, so let's get it set up then because I wanna make sure that MJPEG streamer is always running whenever the Pi is running. So it's gonna run in the background and then eventually my cloud server is gonna connect to that stream and, uh, and grab the, the camera images. So let's just jump to the Raspberry Pi. I'm just connected with SSH. Um, and remember, so last video, I compiled MJPEG streamer so we can go back into here and you can see it compiled it. Uh, you know, here's the executable for it. And then to run it, if I go back here, it mentions in the documentation, you know, you execute a command like this to run it and that's gonna uh, basically invoke it. Now I want it to run in the background and there are a lot of ways to do that. The way I'm gonna use is uh, with system D, which is kind of the right way to do it these days. So, you know, long ago, maybe not that long ago, but you know, a couple years back before the Raspbian Jesse release, uh, there was this whole init system and there's a lot of turmoil in the Linux world, but eventually nowadays things, the dust has kind of settled. System D is there and it works pretty well. 
So systemd, and hey, look at this, we've got a little guide on it um, that I'll, I'll put a link in the description below. And, and systemd is a really useful tool, so it can manage running processes. It's basically the first process that Linux runs, and then it runs other processes, because when a Linux machine boots up, there are tons of little processes that run. So things that, you know, like manage your serial connection or manage, you know, I don't know, a web server maybe that you're running. Systemd takes care of running all those things. So you give it a configuration file and you say, hey, I've got this executable, it's in this directory, it needs these parameters, you know, go run it every time the machine reboots and maybe take all of its standard output and throw it into this log file. Um, you get a lot of flexibility like that. And systemd, it will run that process and it's smart enough to know that if that process fails unexpectedly with like some error code that it's never seen, you know, it's, it can retry running the process or it can log that failure somewhere and maybe you can look later and see, oh, hey, this thing isn't running. Uh, so really nice, easy to use. And the cool thing is it's all just driven by these little config files. They're called services. And so if you create a config file like this and you put it in the right spot, you can tell systemd to run something on boot. Uh, so we're gonna do that basically. So I'm just gonna follow basically what this guide says. And I'll make a few little tweaks because uh, I'll show you some changes that we need to make. Uh, but basically what you need to do is in this lib systemd system directory right here, that's where all these service files live. So this example is showing this mouse logger.service, but I wanna make like an mjpeg streamer.service. So let's go into that directory. So let's go to lib systemd system, and I'll just list all the files. So you can see there's a bunch of services in here. So stuff like, you know, hey, hibernate, hostname, uh, hostname. I think that's the thing that basically sets, you know, your Raspberry Pi hostname. So that's giving it the hostname Raspberry Pi. So again, like this is all stuff that just has to run at boot. Uh, and it's the kind of cool thing about Linux is that, you know, instead of having these giant monolithic things that have everything uh, inside of them, you've got all these little smaller services together. So I just want to add my own little service to this. So, okay, so let's make a new uh, service in here. So I'll use the nano text editor and we'll call this mjpeg streamer.service. And you have to do this with sudo because you need to be root to modify this lib directory uh, inside of here. Okay, so let's just copy out the, uh, the code that we have here. Oops, I'll uh, select it first. And it's not actually code, this is just configuration. Uh, it's like an INI file if you've ever used those. So, okay, so let's give this thing a description that's not mouse logger service. Uh, we'll say mjpeg streamer service. And that's just a nice little description if you're looking at info on the service that runs. Okay, the service block, this is where the important stuff goes. So exec start is basically saying, run this thing, like any executable is what we uh, we point this at. And so I wanna point this at, I'm gonna go back to my Pi in a different tab here. So remember, it's in this mjpeg streamer directory, mjpeg experimental directory. So I ultimately wanna run this mjpeg streamer executable, um, but I need to pass it some parameters and I could just put a link directly into this. You know, I could put, so home pi mjpeg streamer, mjpeg streamer experimental, mjpeg underscore streamer, I think in this case. Um, so I could put a link in here to this and run this thing directly. Um, but if you go back and if you look at how they tell you to run this thing, they want you to set this environment variable, the, the load library path equal to the current directory. The reason they do that is because it needs to load up these shared object files like output http.so, input raspbycam.so. These are like shared objects. They're like DLL files. They're compiled code. And normally Linux looks for compiled code like this in specific locations like your slash lib, I think, directory or user local lib. And these aren't installed there. So if you didn't have this uh, load library path set, 
uh, MJPEG streamer would run, it would see that, hey, I should load up this outputhtp.so, where is it? And then it's gonna look in its standard spots, it's not gonna find it, and then it's just gonna fail. And usually you get a really cryptic error, um, gosh, I can't even remember what it is, but it's like, you know, can't invoke function or something like that. Um, so that's what this is doing. This load library path environment variable says, okay, add to the path of directories some directory I'm telling you. In this case, it's saying the current directory, because if you look in this directory, you know, here is output http.so. So, you know, I could like move all these .so files into the, the standard spots that Linux looks for it, but I'm not gonna do that. I mean, if they intended for you to do that with MJPEG streamer, they probably would have put it in the make file as like a make install command that puts those in the right spot. They didn't do that, so I'm not gonna try to outsmart them. I'm not gonna try and force this thing. I'm just gonna use it wherever it is. But this is kind of a problem because, you know, when systemd runs this thing, uh, oops, sorry, let's go back to the uh, service file that we're editing. You know, it needs to know what directory to run this thing from. Um, I don't even know by default where it runs these things, uh, probably like the root user's directory, because they do run by default as the root user, but you can control that. There's a parameter you can put in the service file here. Uh, but I, I can actually be explicit. I can say working directory equals. This is a little directive you can give it and then just point it at that directory. So home pi uh, mjpeg streamer mjpeg streamer experimental. So, okay, that's cool. So I can at least point it at that working directory um, so I can save that. Now it's still a question of like, how do I set this load library path environment variable? And there actually are directives, like system, they've thought this thing through. So I can give a directive in here that says, by the way, set this environment variable before you run this thing. Uh, but I noticed that they actually have this start.sh in here. They don't really mention it in the documentation, but if you look at this thing, um, it's basically just like a shell script that just shows you how to run MJPEG streamer. So if I go up, a lot of things are commented out, but notice at the top, export load library path equals uh, PWD. That means the current working directory that you're in. Um, so it's basically the same as this line, but I, I'm assuming because of bash and I'm not super familiar with bash, you know, you probably have to actually say, give me the current working directory. Um, you know, hey, I'm just gonna trust it. <laughs> Every time I try to get fancy with bash, it always bites me. So uh, I'm not gonna mess with it. But anyways, that's what it does. So it sets the load library path. And then right here is where it's invoking it. Like these are all commented outlines. Um, and so this I actually had changed uh, myself, but you can see this whole file is full of just examples of how to run this thing, like, you know, outputting to the web server, outputting to a um, video stream file, all kinds of stuff here. So let's use this file um, and let's use this start.sh and have my systemd script invoke this thing. So instead of invoking mjpeg streamer, I'm gonna have it invoke that start.sh. Now I still do want the working directory to be changed to the directory that the start.sh file is in. It's not gonna do that automatically. So I do need to make sure that I have this working directory. Standard output equals null. I'm gonna delete this. This is basically saying throw away all the output from uh, this command. And uh, there's not a lot of output from this uh, mjpeg streamer command. So I'm gonna save it. And what systemd will do, I'll show you, it will actually save this into a log file. So I can go back later and see, okay, did it start up? Is it running? Did I get the output that I expected for this? Um, so that's all goodness. Now this install block, this is kind of where you say, if, you know, when this thing should run, um, like this wanted by is basically saying, okay, there's certain targets that systemd creates. And from what I understand, the multi-user target is, 
uh, invoked once everything has loaded up and started and a login prompt is there. So like once you're ready to log into the Linux machine, then things that depend on this multi-user target will be invoked. And so that's usually where you want your programs to run because if they just started up at the very first start of boot, like that's literally when the kernel has just loaded, system D maybe has just started, like your networking might not be set up, uh, all your hardware might not be set up yet. So you wanna wait until all that stuff is done. So that's usually most scripts and things that you run are gonna wanna invoke this, but you've got all the flexibility where you can slot your uh, services in wherever you need them during the boot process, which is cool. Um, this alias I'm gonna get rid of. I don't think I really need this thing. Um, you know, it just probably gives you an, a nicer way to uh, mention a service. So, okay, so let's save that. And I just wanna double check this directory path if, that it has uh, dashes in it. So let's go back and let's exit out of here. And yeah, mjpeg-streamer, mjpeg-streamer-experimental. That looks right, okay, cool. So let's save that file. Okay, so that's saved in this directory here. Now to see this thing, I can actually tell systemd, uh, basically I can run the systemctl command, that's how you talk to systemd. Um, and then I can say, give me the status of the mjpeg streamer.service. Uh, and so it's showing me this. Um, oh, it's showing me that it's actually running. That's kind of weird. So I was using this thing before and I, I deleted it, um, but that's really bizarre that it's, uh, that it's still running here. So let, let's do stop. Just, this is just me uh, doing this earlier and I thought I stopped it, but I guess I didn't stop it. Um, so now, there we go. Okay, so now it's stopped. Uh, and you can see, but at least knows that this service exists. So when you run the status command, you're probably gonna see something like this um, initially where it says, okay, hey, it's loaded. Um, actually says it's not found, which is interesting. So it looks like systemd is a little con confused. Here's the command you wanna run. You wanna run sudo systemctl daemon reload. Uh, this basically says reload all these service files and just you know make sure you've got the current version of them. And so now let's do the status of my service here. Okay, here we go. So now it's loaded. This is good. Like it knows about that .service file that I just created. Uh, and you can see that mjpeg streamer.service file in the same directory. It's not active, so it hasn't been running yet. That's good because I haven't started it. It's not gonna run until I tell it to start. Um, so everything looks good. So let's try to start it. Um, so let's do sudo systemctl uh, start mjpeg streamer.service. Okay, and it doesn't show you anything, but let's run the status again. So I'm just gonna run the systemctl status on this thing again. And okay, things are looking actually pretty good here. So you can see it's active now, so it's running. If it failed, this actually would say, hey, it's not running, it's failed. And this is cool too. So it shows you the processes that are running. And it's showing me that, hey, it invoked bash with that start.sh. And then that start.sh invoked mjpeg streamer with all these uh, command line parameters here. So that's good. It looks like it's running my script. Um, and maybe before I get too far into this, let's go back to that start.sh. So I was showing you that basically, you know, I, I just configured it. I did change this slightly. So this line right here, this mjpeg streamer dash i, uh, I'm basically just using the line that they have right here. So there's a dash i, the input raspbycam.so. So that's what I have right here. I'm telling it to use the Raspberry Pi camera. Now I have a few little extra things here and this is mentioned, they kind of buried it in the documentation here. So if you go into this readme and then you go into the input raspbycam documentation link and I'll put a link directly to this below. But there are actually parameters that you can send into this plugin. Uh, and so I noticed there is a vertical flip 
which I need because of the orientation of my camera, it's upside down relative to how it's facing uh, the floor. So I basically, I just added this dash VF option. So it's just gonna flip it around. So it'll look like normal to me. Uh, really handy that you've got this capability. It also has a horizontal flip and even a rotate anywhere from zero to 360 degrees. So if you've got it in some crazy orientation, you can fix it. Um, lots of other parameters here too. Like you can change, you know, sharpness, uh, exposure, uh, I'm just leaving it on the defaults for auto, but I did tweak, there's a dash FPS, the frame rate option, and defaults to five, which is kind of slow. So I bumped it up to 30 FPS and it actually runs really well. You'll see like it's instant. It, it is basically live video. Um, now it's because I'm on my network and it's, you know, it's pretty quick for my machine right here to talk to the Pi, but still that's pretty cool that you'll see how fast this thing runs. Um, and then it has the dash O option, output HDP.SO. This is exactly what uh, they show in the main documentation here. So, you know, here's the dash O option. This just says make a web server that has this stream. Um, so that's what I modified in the start.sh. I just put in this line right here that runs the Raspberry Pi uh, camera or the motion JPEG streamer uh, service with the command line parameters I want. So, okay, so back to the systemd thing, it's running. So in theory, I can access it. Let's go to Raspberry Pi and 8080 is the port that it uses, 8080. So if I hit this, hey, look at that. I think it's working. And if I go to the stream specifically, look at this, hey, and look how fast this is. So like my, my hand's right in front of it. Um, you know, this that's 30 frames per second. That is, that is fast video, so that's good. Um, I think I could probably crank it up to 60 or more. Uh, I don't know, let's see what's the CPU usage on the Pi right now. Um, so just using the top command, which is a super handy command. So it tells you, you know, what's uh, your percent of CPU usage. All right, so let's see. So it's 96.1% idle. So that's not bad, like three or 4% CPU for 30 frames per second of video. That's only 640 by 480. So it's you know not the highest resolution, but that's good enough for me. I think that's gonna work. So that's cool. Okay, so that's looking good. And you can actually see, so this is the view of the floor behind me. Um, and very similar to the, the first time I did this project, although I've got some junk in the way now. So, you know, hey, we'll, we'll deal with it. Um, okay, so that's cool. So I think the MJPEG streamer is all set up and there's one last little systemd thing that I can do. So if I run uh, uh, sudo systemctl enable the mjpeg streamer.service, you'll want to run this. That basically tells it that um, this service should be enabled on boot and you know figure out based on that wanted by in the service file you know when it should start during boot. Um, if I just did the start, it would just start it, but it, without doing that enable, it's not going to set up these special sim links that it needs to know to uh, to start the service. And go back to the systemd guide. This mentions like, hey, you got to do this enable, and then you have to do this start um, to make it work. So, okay, cool. So now every time I reboot my Pi. MJPEG streamer should be running. If it doesn't run, uh, you can actually see. So if I run the sudo journal CTL command, journal control, this is a part of systemd with dash u, this is saying look at a unit file, which is what these dot service files are called. And then the MJPEG streamer dot service, this is actually showing the standard output of uh, the, the command. So if it failed, I could see, you know, oh, error. But you can see this is all just normal stuff. So it's just showing, hey, you know, I'm serving video to this client or I'm stopping or I'm starting. Uh, so cool to have this. And, and it's all just done for me by systemd, which is really handy. Uh, okay, cool. So we've got the uh, camera set up. I think this is all looking good. Um, 
So let's do the next thing. Let's go back and let's take the code for the original project and let's get it running because I've got all the hardware set up. So let's get the original project running and I'll make a little tweak to it. You'll see uh, to use my uh, MJPEG camera. Basically, I just need the URL for this camera uh, to make this work. So, okay, so this is the guide, the original guide. Uh, I'll put a link in the description below. You can check this out. I've set up the hardware just like the guide had. So this kind of talks through, uh, although this time I don't have to do this annoying, you know, uh, hot glue your servos together thing. I've got our little pan tilt servo arm, so we're all good with that. So, okay, so let's go back then to the software setup page and we'll just run through this. So there's some uh, dependencies you need to install. And also this code was written for Python 2. I don't think I've gone back and updated it. So I'm gonna keep it Python 2 for now, but we'll see in the next video, uh, I'm gonna do a lot more code on this project and I'm just gonna do Python 3 from the start because it's 2016, it's time to use Python 3. Uh, I just read too, um, IPython in their next major version, it's not gonna support Python 2 anymore. And like pretty much every major Python thing, you know, like uh, maybe not Flask, but uh, a lot of bit like NumPy, SciPy, they've, they're kind of taking the stance now. They're not supporting Python 2 anymore. So it's time guys, it's time to do, uh, to do Python 3. I've been using it for the last couple months and it's been fine for me. So uh, let's, let's make the switch. Okay, uh, so let's go back and let's go to my home directory and let's just run these commands. So I'm gonna run this apt-get install command. Um, it's not gonna do anything because I've installed all these already, So, but I need to install these dependencies. Your command will take a little longer. And then I need to clone the code from my Git repository. So let's do that. And then once I get the code, I wanna go into that directory. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, stuff that I need to modify. So it talks about right here, the um, server.py file. That's where a lot of configuration lives. So, uh, and I don't need sudo to edit this. So I, if I just edit ser server.py, um, then you can see at the top, it's got some config here. And this is back when I used tabs instead of spaces. And so it's all messed up in some editors. Hey, this is three years ago. I've learned a lot since then. Um, but basically, okay, the I squared C address of my PCA 9685, it's still the same OX40. I haven't changed that. My channels, um, basically these are which servo channels control your X and your Y uh, rotation. So I'm gonna keep these the same. Um, your minimum, your PWM frequency and your minimum and maximum servo values, I'll keep these the same for now, but you can tweak this stuff. Go back to the first video. You know, I mentioned that servos have kind of limits where, uh, and each servo can be a little bit different sometimes, but there's, there's a limit to what PWM signal you can send it before it gets into like a bad feedback state. Um, so like 150 to 650 is roughly the, the limits for, for me. So I'm gonna keep all this stuff the same. It's got a center value. I think it just goes to that center value when it lo loads up for the first time. So, okay, I'll keep all this stuff the same. There's nothing really to change here yet. Uh, there's also this in the templates directory, the main.html, and there is something to change here. So this is just an HTML file. This is what the project renders. And you can see right here, it needs an MJPEG video stream URL. And this was what I used my little Wi-Fi security camera in the past for, but let's plug in the URL for our little MJPEG streamer stream. So let's go back to the view of it. So if I go to the stream and if I copy the address for this, I should just be able to view this. Yeah, you can see, you know, there it is in the web browser. So that's looking good. So if I copy that out, then uh, that should be all that I need to put inside of here. Okay, so I save that. The rest of this I don't need to modify. This is all just the web UI for the tool. So let's save that. 
Okay, so that looks good. And then um, this also mentions, you know, if you need to change like your I squared C address, you can do that. So, okay, I, I think we're fine. Okay, so let's go back now and let's, um, okay, and there's there's one other little gotcha uh, that we need to change. And I haven't put this in the guide yet, but I'll, I'll put it in there. Um, so basically, what we're, well, here, I'll, I'll run it. Let's see what happens. So if I run sudo python server.py, uh, which is how I start this thing up, then you're going to get this error, uh, I squared C, no such file or directory. So this is a classic thing that um, comes from the old Raspberry Pi code that we had. Uh, we had this Adafruit I, I squared C library. This is before I uh, reworked a whole bunch of it and created all these other libraries. Um, but this code, it's three years old. It's still dependent on a copy of this stuff. So the problem is this code, and it's this um, Adafruit I squared C dot Pi that's included in the repository here. So it was made before the Pi 2 and 3 even existed. And the, the Raspberry Pi changed which I squared C bus number it uses. And that confused a lot of things. So if you look at dev i2c star, um, then you see on my device, I have an I, i2c dash one. So that's channel one. Now, unfortunately this code, it's old code. We, and we fixed it later, but because I have a copy in the cat laser repository, it never got updated. And so that's why it's old. Uh, but basically, it tries to detect what revision of Raspberry Pi you're using, and you can see the code right here. But it gets confused because they change some of this logic um, later on, and it unfortunately defaults to the wrong value. What you can do, though, in this get pi i squared c bus number, so hopefully you don't have to do this anymore because we updated all the code, we fixed this bug, and then all of our new libraries have a different logic for detecting the revision. It's a lot more robust. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to force this to return one because I know my I squared C bus number is one for this Raspberry Pi. This is the function it calls to do it. So this is the easy quick fix for it. You know, just force it to do what I want uh, in that case. And okay, so now let's try to run this thing. And okay, cool. You might have noticed the servo just moved a lot. And that's because when it loads up, if I remember correctly, it moves into that center position um, that I told it. But okay, so I think it's running and it's telling me to go to this address. And this just means to access my Raspberry Pi on port 5000. So let's do that. Let's go to Raspberry Pi 5000. And hey, this is looking pretty promising. You can see there's the video stream. So it's overlaying the video. It's got all the aiming stuff here. And then let's see, so if I press these, these should move the servo around um, in just small little increments here. So you can see, oops, uh oh, I've got it back into like a bad feedback loop spot. Uh oh, I'm like uh, making it very confused. Hang on, I'm gonna pull the power real quick uh, to turn that off just so I don't, don't set the, uh, make the servo go a little too wild. Okay, so that's kind of what happens when you put a servo at an extreme that you don't really want it to be. Uh, it gets into this kind of weird feedback loop. So let's change our code so I don't get into those extremes. Um, let's edit that server.py file again. And let's just tweak this. So for my servo center, let's put this down to like 200. And then for my minimum, let's set this to like 200, uh, well not 2000. And then how about 600? So we'll just bring it down to some smaller values here. And let's run our server again. And okay, so now let's go back and see what this thing looks like. Okay, cool. So now let's try to tweak uh, our servo position. Uh, okay, I can't go less than 200. So let's go higher. Uh, and we should, oh, I turned off the servo power. Maybe I should turn it back on. All right, there we go. Whoa, look at that. That thing just jumped right back into position. Okay, so now, now you can see, so as I touch this, you know, it's just incrementing, it's moving, you can see it's moving that axis 
um, and you know, like where my finger in the upper right is pointing. Here's where the the server. If I put my hand under here, you can see a little more contrast. Um, so you can see it's every time I touch this, it's just rotating a teeny more in that direction. Um, so that's cool. So that's looking like that's working. Um, and then the same thing for the y-axis, so the up-down axis. So you might not be able to see this. Oh, and it, my code is smart enough to know, hey, your minimum value is 200. We're not going to let you set that below 200. So, hey, I forgot that I put that check in, but hey, that was me thinking ahead of time. Okay, so this moves it down. It looks like it's maybe a little hard to see, but you can kind of see. So it's pointing like straight down now. And then if I go back, that moves it a little more up like that, and then I can't go back beyond 200 for that. Okay, so that's looking good. Um, let's see, let's stop the server, and let's turn the laser on. Now, remember the laser, it's controlled by a transistor on pin 23, that turns on and off the five volt signal to the laser diode. So, and go back to the first video, if you're not familiar with that, I talked through like why we're using a transistor for that. But if I just run Python, so I don't have that code, my original cat laser didn't use a transistor, the laser was just always on. And I'm not gonna add that code yet. In the next video, let's look at how we add that stuff. But for now, let's just turn it on manually. So I'm just gonna run Python, and I'm gonna import the rpi.gpio library. And I need to do set mode gpio.bcm because there are three different ways you can number the pins and it's really annoying, but this is what you have to do. And then gpio.setup pin 23 as an output. Uh, and it's giving me this warning because it configures stuff for uh, these kernel interrupts and it noticed they're already configured and it gives you this warning by default, which is kind of annoying and I wish it would just default to not give you that warning. Anyways, rant for another day. Uh, and then let's output on pin 23 uh, GPIO high. So this should turn the laser on. And if I put my hand under here, you might be able to see, yeah, you can put, you can see like the shine of the laser on my hand. So we'll see when we come back to the video. Uh, it's shiny down on the floor. I just looked below me. So uh, we should be able to see. Now I can quit because that GPIO pin is going to stay uh, set to that high level. Like it's still turned on um, behind me. So, okay. So the laser's on. Um, let's see. There's one other thing. Oh yeah. Let's go back and let's, let's modify our server.py. And let's set this server min back to 150. I think my initial problem was that servo center of 400. Just probably threw it into like a bad spot that it didn't like. So um, let's go back and we'll set this to 150 because I do know that I need to move my servo beyond this one 200 limit that I had before. So, okay, now let's run our server. And okay, so it snaps back into that 200, 200 position. And then if I reload the page here, okay, you can't see the laser because it's off screen right now, but let's rotate it back into position. Oops, that's the wrong way. So if I go this way, hey, look at the little dot. You might be able to see like right here in the center, there's a little laser dot right there. And so notice as I move this, you know, it's going left and right. And then if I move up down, you can see it goes down. And then if I go back the other way, it goes up. So cool, That's it's working so far. Now the aiming stuff, I'll show you what I did originally with this. You have to run through a little calibration process because it needs to know how to map from a click on the screen right here to the servo positions that will move the laser into that position. And I'll say right now, it's not perfect. So I'm just using linear interpolation where I'm basically saying, okay, where do you click inside of this aiming rectangle and then interpolate that to the position of the servos, which is not really correct because there's like a projection going on here where, you know, the angle of the laser pointing down and the camera and the field of view of the camera are actually, it's, there's not a linear relationship. So you'll see it's not really perfectly accurate when you aim. Maybe later 
I'll mess with trying to fix that, but you need to do a little bit more of an advanced transformation than just this little linear interpolation that I was doing. But I think it works well enough to have fun with. You know, at the end of the day, the cat doesn't really care that you have pixel perfect aiming accuracy. It just sees the dot move and it moves after it. So that's uh, that's what's happening here. Okay, so let's start the calibration. And I made this kind of fancy. So you can basically define a rectangle um, and I mentioned that it should be a convex area, so like you don't want to do something like this because it can't really interpolate very well like this. You know, you want to have things um, that are kind of rectangles or trapezoid shaped. The shape doesn't really matter, honestly. You know, I could just have a perfect square inside of here. It's more just how you want to render this thing, maybe. Um, but I'll do like a, you know, maybe trapezoid like this kind of a figure. Um, okay, then I click next, and so it's going to highlight each corner, and what you need to do is you need to manually move the servo so the laser is in that position. So I'm just going to tweak this a little bit, and we'll see if we can get it, you know, it doesn't have to be per oh wow, that's like spot on. Alright, so we'll say next, and then I've got to move it over to this position. And so notice as I move this thing, it doesn't move in a straight line, it moves in an arc, and that's kind of that, you know, that difference between like, this is, you know, it's not like linearly moving this laser around. It's moving across like, uh, I guess, a sphere or, you know, a, a different kind of uh, uh, movement here. So it's that's where you'll see some errors. But we're pretty close. Hey, that's pretty much in the center. So I click Next. Now I've got to go down here. So I want to drop my Y-axis like way down. And then now I need to move this guy a little bit more that way and maybe move him up. So it's a little, you know, there's just some play that you have to do here to get this uh, in the right spot. Okay, click next. And now the last corner here. So if I just ratchet it all the way around, you can see it kind of moves in an arc as it goes around. So we're pretty close, but I need to move down a little bit. And then ah, that's close enough for me. Okay, finish. So now it should be calibrated. So now it, what it just did there, it looked at the position in the video of that location and then the position that the servo was moved to, and it saved that. And then based on those four points, if I click anywhere inside of here, it will know, okay, you know, like right here, you're in the center horizontally and you're in the center vertically. So I should look at all those servo axis values and then pick the center value of all of those roughly. So watch what happens when I click here, you know, we just shot straight into the center. And like notice, you know, it's not exactly where I clicked. But it's pretty close, you know, it's in the ballpark, sort of. So, wow, well, that one's really close. Um, and again, that's just that error from the, uh, you know, I'm not doing the right translation, uh, transformation here, basically, to convert from, you know, this linear screen view to this 3D projection of the world here, uh, which is sad because I study a lot of computer graphics and like that type of projection is like the bread and butter. Uh, but man, I totally forgot it. So uh, if, if you know that projection, post in the comments and maybe we'll do that in a future video. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to study some stuff some more. Uh, but this is basically the project, uh, the original project. So you can see, like I click here and it's aiming the servo and you can see the servo move around. Like if I put my hand, oh geez, well, I guess you'll really see the servo. Ah, well, you just watch the video in the upper right here. You can see, you know, the servo move. So I'm just clicking in a spot and it's figuring out the, the spot to, to go to. Now I can't remember, I don't think I can click outside. Oh, I can click outside here. I forgot, forgot if I limited it or not. So I guess I didn't. So yeah, you can click all around the room here uh, and, you know, light things up uh, with the laser. So. Pretty cool, that's that's pretty fun. Um, okay, so one other thing I wanted to change though. So let's go back, let's stop the server. Um, and it saves that configuration by the way, so I don't need to go through that calibration again, uh, which is kind of handy. 
So, okay, there's one thing I wanted to change though. So the way I was using the servos, you know, I was using that old Raspberry Pi code. I actually just copied the code into my repository here. So this PWM server driver.py file. And if you look at the servos.py file, um, this is the code. I made a little class that just implements the servo object. Smart of me to do this because now I can plug in a different implementation. So, you know, this is that old crusty code. Let's use my newer library that I used in the first video. So if you remember from the first video, and I'll go back to uh, the main directory, uh, I installed that Adafruit Python PCA 9685 library, the one that I, I made uh, that controls that servo driver board. And it's nice in that you can install this as a proper Python library. It's got some examples. So if I go into the examples and the simple test.py, um, let's just change our old Raspberry Pi laser, cat laser code to use this newer library. So I want to import the, the newer library. So I want to copy out this line right here. Ah, I don't want to paste. Uh-oh. How do I undo? Oh boy, now I really did it. Let's exit out of here. No, don't save that file. Um, okay, so let's copy this and then let's paste it into the uh, the servo.py file here. So let's put it just right below that. So we'll say paste, there we go. And now when I configure this object, the line's gonna be a little bit different. So let's just put in self.pwm equals. And so now let's go back to the simple test.py. And this is the line that I really want here. So I need to create this PCA9685 object. So let's paste that in. And then it can also take an I2C address. So I'm gonna pass in the I2C address. This is just taking whatever parameter was passed in for the I2C address and then passing it to the address of this PCA9685 object right there. Uh, okay, so to set the PWM frequency, I changed the function name. I made it all lowercase um, just to match the Python convention. Usually uh, lowercase with underscores is what you do for Python functions. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but I think PEP8, uh, which is the Python style guide, uh, that's how you're supposed to do it. So, okay, so I set the PWM frequency. I'm using the right function here. And then set PWM, I also changed the, uh, this to be underscores and lowercase. So set PWM, all the parameters I kept the same. So this is how, if you have code that uses this older PWM servo driver uh, library and you wanna use the newer library, this is basically all you have to do. So I implemented the same functions, just tweak the naming a little bit for it. So, okay, so let's save this. And, uh, and you know, one important thing is that I did install this PCA9685 um, code. And so go back to the first video, you can see how I installed it. I installed it for Python 3, but remember my code is Python 2. So I actually need to make sure that I do Python, pseudo Python, Python 2, install uh, the setup, uh, or, sorry, I need to run setup.py and then give it the install command here. So, and it's already installed, but make sure to run that or else your code's not going to work because, you know, back in that servos.py, it's going to try to import the PCA9685. And if that hasn't been installed, it's not going to find it. And that's when you get that import error. So a lot of times people run into an import error and are kind of like, uh-oh, what's wrong? Well, it means that the library is not installed. So go back and double check that everything was installed um, for it. Okay, so let's run the server again now, server.py. And uh-oh, I messed something up in servo.py. So let's go back there. Yeah, I had an extra uh, parenthesis there. So, okay, let's save that. And then let's run server.py. Okay, cool. So things just snapped into position, uh, which is good because it moved the servos, which means it's using that uh, newer library here. And then let's reload our thing here. And so this is nice. You can see that it saved the location of uh, our little aiming spot. 
And then if I click here, hey, look at that. So we've got got some cat laser action going on right here. So cool, you know, basically I've recreated the original project. And next week I should show it on show and tell. Uh, we'll come back. I should have waited until like three years to the day, but it's, uh, you know, maybe two years and nine months or so <laughs> since I did this project. Uh, it wasn't that hard to, to revive this and we've brought it into the new, uh, the modern age where I'm using the Pi camera now with MJPEG Streamer and then I'm using kind of our latest uh, Python code for this. So that's cool. Uh, okay, so now the real test. Um, let's grab the cat and let's see if she'll play uh, with this. And let's see, I'm trying to think the best way that I can show this. So let me move my camera a little bit. We're going to do some on-the-fly uh, kind of editing here. So let's move our camera up so we can see the floor because I want to see if I can get a good shot of everything uh, so you can kind of see you know, there's the floor. I guess, well, that's good enough. Maybe if I move it down a little more here, maybe you can see the laser moving. Yeah, probably good enough. Um, let's see, I'll keep this here too, so you can see the camera here. Um, maybe I can zoom in on that. Do I trust myself? I'm not gonna try and edit Wirecast on the fly. This this could end in tears. Okay, let's get the, uh, the test subject, uh, which she's in her same spot. So if you go back and if you remember from the first video uh, or from the, when I did this two, three years ago, we, we had the cat in the box and uh, she's, she's still there. She's, uh, she's gotten out of the box in the last three years, luckily, but uh, she's still here. So, all right, let me, let me grab her. She's sleeping. I don't think she's going to be very happy about this. So, uh, but hey, it's in the name of science. All right, pick her up. Okay, put this out of the way. All right, so we've got our test subject here. And uh, let's see, we'll put her down and we'll see what happens with the, the laser here. So, all right, let's go down. <laughs> I think she sees the laser. Oh, oh I think she sees, oh, hey, let's see. <laughs> oh, no, 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 go, hey. See, oh, I think she's a little confused. Not sure where it's at. I, I need a bigger space for this, so let's kind of have to get it in front. Oh, does she see it there? <laughs> no, she's just sitting down. Uh, she was just sleeping, so let's see if we can get her attention over here. Oh, hey, I think she sees that. <laughs> uh, uh oh. She's not the most active with the laser pointer, so she's more of a stalking kind of cat. You know, she likes to like watch and ambush. Um, she's not so much a chase everything kind of cat, uh, but maybe if it's close enough, she might take a swat at it. Let's see. So, or, oh, nothing. No, come on. <laughs> Unfortunately, so the only time that she ever played with the laser toy project was the one time, oh, hey, now she's sniffing it was the one time uh, that I showed it off on Ask an Engineer or Show and Tell. So uh, I'm glad that it worked and we got a good demo out of that. But yeah, she's maybe not the best cat to uh, to use for this, uh, this project. But it's cool. I mean, it works. Like it's there. Uh, oh, cool. You can actually see in the upper right the, uh, the camcorder video. It's got a good another angle uh, to see. <laughs> Boy, she's just like just sitting there <laughs> just doing nothing. That's cats. Uh, what, can, what can you say? 
So uh, anyways, I think I'm going to wrap it up. So that's what I want to do in this stream. We've revisited the cat laser. We've recreated it using the old code. So in the next streams, let's look at how we can take this to the cloud. You know, how can I make this something that other people can play? Um, and oh boy, I think maybe she's, let's see if we can get her to, to take a swipe at it. Nope, <laughs> she's just yawning. But anyways, let's see how we can extend this now. So, you know, I've, this is great for like me on my network, but the end goal, what I want to get to is having a web page that looks just like this that you can go to. And there's going to be some more stuff like, uh, oh, now she's gone. Hey, that's end, end of uh, the fun for her. But there's going to be some more stuff. So, you know, we're going to need like a queue of people that are waiting to play because only one person, I'm not crazy enough to let the entire, you know, this is not Twitch plays cat laser. Although boy, just thinking of that, man, I could probably make a few tweaks and we could do that. That That's a scary thought, Twitch plays cat laser. Maybe later we'll, we'll do that. Um, but you know, I want like one person to have like a minute or two to play this thing. And then, you know, you're in a line. And so it's gonna tell people, okay, you're ready to play. But the next two parts are gonna be pretty challenging, I think, because, you know, I need to figure out a way to have my laser controlled over the internet. So I'm gonna need to look at like web sockets. Um, like I mentioned in the first video, I kind of sketched down a design. Uh, MQTT potentially as a way to send messages from my cloud server down to my Raspberry Pi right here, because it needs to be kind of secure. Like I don't want someone just randomly taking control of my cat laser. So a lot of uh, challenging stuff I think we're gonna have to think through in the next few videos, but I think that'll be the fun of uh, this project here. So, okay, if there are questions, um, throw them into the chat and I'll jump back to the main view right here. Oops, let me put that there. So, okay, so let's go back and let's see if there's any questions. Um, do you have to keep a session going for it to stay running? Um, yeah, right now you do have to keep the Flask app running. So this is it running in the background. You actually see every time I click, it's doing like a put request against the um, the pixel that was clicked. And then the server code is what translates that. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm showing you this and it's not on the screen. Uh, but okay, just to answer your question, yeah, you do have to keep it running. But in the next video, I'll show you, we can just make a systemd service file that runs our server code on boot, like just like the way I did the MJPEG streamer. And we can even get fancy, we can have the MJPEG streamer or have my server depend on the MJPEG streamer server running so that systemd can be smart enough to know that say, oh, I better run MJPEG streamer first and then I'll run this guy's uh, server code. So that's a, a good thing. Um, is this the Pi 2 or Pi 3? This is the Pi 3 that I'm using, but honestly, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm not doing anything too advanced. Although MJPEG Streamer, I bet to get the best performance, you probably want the Pi 3 with a little bit more speed, um, but I, I bet it would still work fine on the Pi 2. So that's that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Someone's saying it'd be cool to see how fast it would go to each click if you could re record a path or draw images or letters and play them back. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah, if you could record like, animations or something with, you know, you drag the, the laser around, maybe a good future enhancement for this. Uh, so, and I think that's it. Yeah, just people uh, talking about the cat. So yeah, she's not the best test subject, unfortunately, but uh, what can you do? Cats are cats. So, okay, so I'll wrap up the stream then. Uh, it's Tony from Adafruit. So uh, check out youtube.com slash Adafruit. You can see this video, all kinds of other fun project videos. Check out twitch.tv slash Adafruit. That's where I like to stream things live. I like to stream on Mondays. I do like a quick look at some interesting Raspberry Pi software. And then on Fridays, like today, I do a more in-depth stream, usually a multi-part thing. So we're kind of halfway in the middle of the Raspberry Pi Cat Laser 2.0 project right now. So look for those next week. And then maybe a third stream too. I'm starting to try and do some more like Circuit Playground stuff. So 
keep an eye out for that. Uh, and then like, comment, subscribe, let us know that these are really useful videos and that you're getting good stuff from them and we'll keep doing them. So that kind of keeps us going. Uh, but otherwise, until then, this is Tony from Adafruit. So thanks a lot for watching and I'll see you guys later. I'll see you guys next week.